Um, let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you so much for moms. Uh, we thank you, Lord, uh, that you've given them to us as gifts. Um, we thank you, Lord, that uh, even without trying, they just happen to uh, walk out the characteristics of God. And Lord, uh, we ask for all of the moms that are here and, and the girls, the, sing, the single girls and ladies that are here that someday will be moms, that you will bless them and that you will uh, help the ones that are already moms, uh, even the ones that are grandmothers and those that will be, God, that you will bestow a blessing uh, that they would understand not only biblical mothering, but they would understand what it means to be gospel-centered in their mothering, Lord. Um, there's, there's the challenge of growth, uh, and there's the conviction that comes from where they as moms mess up and they miss the mark. But God, we thank you that the reality is there's grace. And God, if, as they understand grace... They can bend that grace out and they will be the greatest moms that they could possibly imagine if they understand the gospel. So I pray for a blessing through the Holy Spirit upon all the ladies that are here and all the girls, uh, the moms presently and the moms-to-be, uh, that you will help them to center in on the gospel, to free them to be the, the ladies, the wives, and in particular, the mothers or future mothers that they're supposed to be. Bless this time. Thank you for already blessing your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. You guys ready? Uh, let's talk a little bit about biblical mothering. It actually, it, it coincides well with where we are in Genesis. Next week, we'll, we're going to jump uh, to Genesis chapter 21, and we're going to talk about, we're gonna talk about two, two mothers in the Genesis story. Uh, we're going to talk about Sarah, and we're going to talk about Hagar. And so uh, that's going to be the, the, the case in points, uh, cases in point next week. But today we're going to talk kind of big picture of what biblical mothering is and then what gospel-centered mothering is. And I, I mean, let me just go ahead and get the, let the cat out of the bag and let you know that the front half of this may be a little bit painful for you ladies because you're, you're, going, to be, you're going to be comparing yourself to what's being spoken of in Scripture and, and what I want you to do is I want you to hear very clearly from the Lord and to be convicted where you're supposed to be convicted, but that you don't fall under a weight of condemnation because as we get to the end, we're going to talk about gospel-centered mothering. And that's where if, if, you, if you get a little bit discouraged at all in the front half, the big encouragement is going to come in the front, in the, in the back half, all right? Um, so biblical mothering, uh, John Wesley, uh, kind of a hero of the faith, he said, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than all the theologians in England. Uh, Teneva Jordan said, a mother is a person who seeing there are only four pieces of pie for five people promptly announces she never did care for pie. That's a mom for you. Um, I, I asked, I kind of polled folks within Sojourn to get a few stories of things that happened in their, in, in their lives with their moms uh, or grandmothers. And uh, here's, a, here's a couple of stories. Uh, I won't give you the names unless you ask me afterward, and then I'll point them out. And, uh, but here's some, 
here's some uh, anecdotes. Um, my dad's mom is just amazing. She'd been married for 60 years when my, when my granddad died, and she was absolutely selfless towards him. When I was newly married, she asked me if I cooked breakfast for my husband every morning. And this was when he was getting up around 4.30 every morning and I was teaching school. I told her I didn't because he woke up really early and he usually just ate cereal. She cut her eyes over towards me and she said softly, Well, you could pour the cereal for him. And she was completely serious. That's just the kind of humble person she is. Um, Another story... uh, one time, my mom had bought a big old honey-baked ham. She had had it sitting on the kitchen counter when company unexpectedly showed up. She tried to stuff the ham in the fridge, but there was no room to get it out of the way, so quick, she quickly stuck it inside the washing machine. Later, as a load of wash was running, my dad asked, What's, what kind of sound is the washer making? And she'd forgotten to take the ham out, and so she now had a really clean ham. Um, along the lines that... Um, along, the lines, along the lines that sometimes moms meddle... Um, my story starts when, when I was living at home with my parents in Colorado for about eight months right after college. I didn't have a lo- job lined up. And over half a year later, my dad finally decided to help my job search by sending my resume to a few people. Within a few weeks, I was interviewed and offered a job and moved to Alabama. Um, I wasn't in Huntsville even two weeks before I received an email from a man I now know and love, uh, who was a stranger at the time. I had no idea who this guy was, but he sent me the following email. I'm sorry I haven't called you back. This is the email. Sorry I haven't called you back. Are you available next week for coffee or lunch? Are you living in Huntsville or Madison? You can call me at, and gives the number, and then, and then the gentleman uh, who's the head of Young Life. And uh, I'm, what? What do you mean you're sorry you haven't called me back? Who are you? How do you know that I'm in Alabama? Things became a bit clearer as I scrolled down to the bottom of his email and saw the following email from me, looking to see what leader opportunities you have. Have left messages, but no one's returned my phone calls. My mom works uh, in the Springs, and I just moved into town. Can you reach me at? Gives the phone number. No, that's funny. I don't remember sending this email to anyone. I don't remember taking the time out of my whirlwind move, apartment hunting and distresses of not having furniture in my possessions for two weeks to even think about looking into young life here in Huntsville. But somebody sent it, and there's the evidence right in front of me. Who could it have been? Well, the answer, mom. And then she mentioned my wonderful, eager, and ambitious mom evidently took it upon herself to plug me into young life here in Huntsville without informing me I felt so bad for this man. Here he was thinking I was desperately trying to get a hold of him while all along I was completely aware of anything. Who knew a mother's helpful nature could be so, well, helpful? And, uh, and 
the story goes on, uh, getting incredibly plugged into young life. And to think my meddling mother played such a crucial role in this transformation. It's hilarious and remarkable how God uses people in our lives. I'm so glad he blessed me with a mother who cares about me and pushes me and my buttons every day. Anybody attest to that with a mom? That's a mom, isn't it? That's a mom. Moms just, they... They have to stay involved in our lives because God made them that way, and it is, it's a blessing. And just talk to somebody that, um, just talk to somebody who doesn't have, um, doesn't have their mom here on earth anymore, and they will tell you uh, how incredible it is uh, to have a mom that will continue to meddle and love into your, in your life. Um, God, God, loves, God loves this world. And he loves this world so much that he gave us moms. So we want to talk a little bit about what God has said, what he said about biblical motherhood. Um, But first of all, there's some that will say that the Old Testament and the Bible is a suppressive culture to women. That back then, before Jesus lived, and even when Jesus lived, it was so suppressive of, of women. And it's true, culturally, uh, there was a big suppression of women, um, but the Bible, Jewish culture, and Christian culture lifted up mothers, lifted up moms, and uh, so here, here's a little bit that um, this uh, one one scholar's name, Andreas Kostenberger, he he wrote about the dignity of wife and mother in the Old Testament. He said, at a child's birth, the mother. The mothers would cut the umbilical cord, bathe the child, wrap it in cloth. During the first decade of the child's life, he or she was the special concern of his or her mother. Since in ancient Israel the home was primarily a place for education, the mother's example and instruction were vital. Once children reached adolescence, they would, they would increasingly spend more time with their fathers, and mothers would also train their daughters for future roles as mothers and wives. Um, there's an author, another scholar named Daniel Block, that he talked about how uh, biblically wives and mothers many times were the ones who named their children. Uh, this was something that was, that was re- regarded to them. It was given to them as, as an honor. Um, the fifth commandment, biblically, tells children to honor their fathers and their mothers. Uh, Proverbs, specifically Proverbs 1 and Proverbs 6, speaks to children following not only father's wisdom, but following mother's wisdom. These are just a few examples of how the Bible does not suppress women, does not suppress uh, the culture of being a mother and mothering, but rather is, is one that, that en- it enhances it. Um, so uh, let's talk just a little bit about um, what the Bible has to say. Um, uh, the Bible basically says for mothers, and this is this is beyond just being a wife. This is at the point in which we uh, we become we become moms. Uh, ladies become moms. Thanks, John. Um, that basically, what God has what it, God has designed for mothers is to have children and to raise children and to manage a home for healthy family life, that that is the core of mothering, okay? That's not all there is to do with being a wife, and that's not all there is to do with being a woman. But as far as being a mother, a biblical mother, 
having children, raising children, and managing a home that will be healthy for family life. Um, Genesis 1 and 2, if you read, if you go back to the beginning there, um, before there was even a fall, before there was ever sin, God gave, he gave headship to the husband. He gave the leadership of the home to the husband, but he gave a mutual responsibility to them for being fruitful, for multiplying, for subduing the earth, and cultivating the earth. And so there was, there was, a, a, there was a partnership that took place with, with wives and, and, and mothers, uh, with husbands and with the dads. And, and again, though the husband is designed by God to be the leader of the home, God took woman from the side of man, which indicates that she is to come alongside him as, as, she, helps, as she helps them pursue God's mission for them. She is to love her husband, uh, at least for those that are, that are married. And, of course, there's, there's single moms, there's, uh, there's widows that are out there. And so there's going to be segments as we look in this, this, this first biblical portion that will have to do with being a wife. And for those, if, if, you're, if you're a single mom, if you're a, a widow, then it's not going to relate to you at this point. But I want us to take a look at Proverbs chapter 31. I want us to take a look at what Solomon had to say about his, his wife and the mom, uh, the mother to their children. Um, I, I want you to want you to take a look, and, and he paints a broad, a broad portrait here, okay? And, and the things that he's saying about his wife and, and the mom to his children, uh, he's not saying that she does all these things in one day. Because it, wouldn't be, it would be impossible for her to do all these things in one day. And even as we go through this, this is not to become a tick list for you as a woman, for you as a wife, for you as, as a mom to say, I better make sure that I'm doing all of these things and all these things in one day or I failed as a mom. That's not, that's not the point here. He is, point, he, is, he is being poetic in saying, this is who my wife is. This is who the mother of my children is uh, holistically. And he starts out, Proverbs 31, verse 10 and he says, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of a merchant who bring her food from afar. Now, just stop in there for just a moment. We have a lady who is educated. Um, we have a, a lady who has, she has learned from her predecessors. She obviously learned from her mom. She learned from older women some things about mothering and some things about how to take care, how to take care of things. How, I mean, food. Uh, not just, not just um, where to get food, and, uh, but how to cook, how to prepare, how to, how to, make, it, how to make it with love. You know, I mean, there, there's, there's a difference between, between the, the, young, the young mom who is just putting, things, putting some, uh, putting some uh, uh, elements of food together and, and just following a recipe and, and just getting it right, and, and someone who is 20 or 30 years into, into cooking and, and, and has a, a knowledge base. Um, and, it, and if you're 
And if you're just learning to cook, maybe you're a girl and mom's teaching you or dad's teaching you, you got an aunt that's teaching you, enjoy the process. Um, the, there's an art to food. There's an art to cooking. I, 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 I've not cooked a lot in, in my life, but I'm getting more and more interested in, in it even myself. Not just grilling, you know, but even some other portions of, of cooking. And, and just seeing that, I mean, when I, when I prepare a meal, which is once in a blue moon, but when I prepare a meal or when I add to the food for, for a day, it, it means a lot to know that, that you put your time and energy and your love into that. And men, we see that. We see that in wives. We see that in moms. That, that they care. And, and, um, and it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's good to take a look at, at the home and the home life and say, this is a great calling. This is a biblical calling for me to, to love to take care of my family. Or if you're a lady in here or a girl in here and, and you're within a family or you don't have a family of your own yet to say, I have a desire. God has placed a desire in me to have a family and to take care of a family. And I would say, if that's you, dig your well, bef- dig your well before you're thirsty. Take time now and, and become educated as, as she did um, before she ever got there. And, and then, as you're in the middle of the process, be, be okay with being a failure. Be okay with, with burning the food. And, and be okay that, that if it's not all done and completed right when your husband gets home or right when you know, soccer practice is over, that if it, if it didn't all come together at the same time, it's okay. It's okay. There's grace that's there. But enjoy it. Don't let it be a burden and don't let it bring condemnation, but embrace it and, and be educated even more and more. Verse 15 says, She rises while it's still yet night, provides food for her household, and portions for her maidens. This is a lady who, who works hard and sacrifices. And, and honestly, there's very few moms that I've met that, that don't work hard and make a lot of sacrifices. It's... I think a minority out there of bad mothers out. And, and if, if you grew up with a bad mom, man, my heart goes out to you. And I just want you to know that as, either as a, a boy or a man or as a girl or as, as a lady, that you don't have to duplicate bad mothering that came from a bad mom. Um, God can free you. Uh, but but that's what moms do. It's it is so natural to to make sacrifices and to work very hard. Um, moms, I'm telling you, moms outdo the dads. You know, they're the ones that they're the ones that get up early and they're the ones that stay up late. And I'm not saying that that's that that guys should just kick back in the lazy boy and let them follow that biblical example. Guys, get into it and jump in there and serve your family as well. But man, don't we see that? Don't you see that in and moms, how they're just willing to do whatever it takes, whenever, whenever it takes. And uh, the what what the problem is sometimes is is that that moms they always pursue what they see as best for their family. And what we have to do is we have to reorient our our vantage point to where we look and we see what is the what is the actual best for others. 
And the best for others is to press people into Jesus, to press people into the gospel, to press people into grace, into an understanding of those things, which means that we press ourselves and others into grace-based living versus works-based living. And we're going to come to that in just a little while of, of what it means when a mom gets trapped in works-based, and works-based living and, and performance mentality. Verse 16 says, she considers a field and she buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. And some of you moms are out there, well, man, if I went out and bought some land today and, you know, my husband would, would take, me, he'd take me to the shed, you know? He's like, I can just go buy stuff like that. Well, what, what we have here is, is we, have, we have a man who is saying, I have, I have equipped and I've empowered my wife and the mother of my children to use her strengths to their best. And so... Just a little bit of a side note here, this is actually a very big side note, is Proverbs 31 has as much to do with there being a Proverbs 31 husband or dad as it has to be, as, as it talks about there being a, a Proverbs 31 woman, wife, or mom. Because the, the father, the dad, has to be the one that sets the culture, that equips and empowers his wife or, or the mom to his children to be able to, to, to go about about life freely and, and it means there's times in which they're deferring and say you know what honey you're better than this than me and so babe you just you just roll with it keep me keep me informed keep me in the loop and we need let's make decisions together where we need to but babe here's these things over here and these things and these points of strength babe you can just roll just go because because you you've got wisdom there you've got fruit in your life in those things. So just keep me in the loop. Let me know and let's pray over things. But babe, you are empowered. You're empowered towards your strengths and toward the gifts that God has given you. So guys, you need to step up. You need to man up. And even if you're not even a husband yet, if you're a boy in here, if you're a single man, dig your well now before you get thirsty and say, I need to become a man now that will enable my future wife to be all that she can be, to be the, the, my wife who will be a mom, to be all that she can be. i got to start now. Verse 17 says, She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Um, this is not a lady that's overcome by vanity or that has to have you know, the, the newest and latest trends and, and fashions. At the same time, it's, it's a lady who's, that she does care about her appearance, um, it's, it's a lady that she's got, she's got good hygiene. She knows how to take care of her body. She knows that her, her body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so she's applying the elements of grace you know, to, to her life and just saying, all right, God, how can I honor you with my appearance? How can I honor you with, with the health of my body? How can I be strong versus weak? How can, I, how can I do these things? And, 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 and by the way, I, I'm not, don't hear that I'm painting a picture that, that, that this Proverbs 31 woman was a size 2. Don't think of it that way. Don't think that this means that this is the lady that's right off of Mademoiselle or I don't know, whatever the, the heck you read off the, the counters in the grocery store, that you've got to look like that. That's not what we're saying. But we're saying it's someone who cares enough for the health of her, of her, 
her husband and her children and, and about herself and doesn't make excuses, but rather says, God, I, I, want to, I want to live a long life that's pleasing to You and is fruitful for You. So I want to make steps in the right, in the right direction to where I, I want to be strong even in my body. Verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. Just more and more bragging that's going on by Solomon of all the different type abilities that she has. Now listen to me. The, the feminist movement has done an incredible disservice to you women, to you moms, to you grandmothers, to you girls. Because what the feminist agenda has been is no, no, no. You, you don't have to find your, your meaning in, in your home and in your, in your husband and, and in your family. You too can find your meaning in your career. So be free, you trapped butterflies. Fly away and become all that you are meant to be. You know, it's strange because it, it almost sounds like it has some truth in it. Do you know what, you know what God wants in you ladies? You know what He wants? He wants you you to be as effective in life as you possibly can. He wants you to tap into all of your strengths, all of your abilities, all of your gifts. He wants you to go and be a blessing to other people. He wants you to be educated and and, and for you to to follow, follow and understand your DNA and your makeup. And some of you are incredibly sharp in your minds. Other of you are incredibly good with your artistic abilities. Some of you are incredible speakers and teachers. And and God doesn't want to say, I'm just going to lock you into the kitchen of a house and you're going to stay there the rest of your life. That is not God's plan. But you know what God's plan is? His His plan is for you to find your meaning and purpose, first of all, in Him. And actually, in Him alone is where you find your meaning and your purpose. But to know that by His design, to know that ladies, even girls, uh, you're, the vast majority of you, you are made to be a wife someday. You're made to be a mother someday. There are a few examples that God, that God has where, where He has other greater plans for some to not be a wife or to not be a mother. And if that's you, then you celebrate and embrace that and you're not lesser than if God has not made you to be a wife or to be a mom. He's, he's got an, a very effective plan for you if that's you. But most of you girls, ladies, He's designed for you to be a wife and to be a mom. And His design is for you to love your husband and bend grace out to Him. He's designed for you to love your children and to bend grace out to Him, out to them. He's designed for you to create a culture which is called a home. It's not a house, but it's a home. A culture of grace, of provision and of safety and of teaching and of comfort and of play. To create a culture. And that, that, that is the bullseye of who God has made you to be. And you know what's incredible about it? Is that sometimes, in some seasons of life, as a wife, as a mom, you're going to have extra time. And you're going to have extra energy. And you know what? Use it. Use that time. Use that time and, and go. And, and I mean, 
take, take the DNA of who you are as a, as a speaker, as an artist, as, as, a, as an analyst, as a creator, as an entrepreneur, as a leader, and go and do those things. Let those things be secondary to what God's calling is you know, to, to your family. And, and I'm telling you, this, this, this may step on the toes of, of some of you, but I'm, I'm telling you, there's a season of life in raising kids before, I mean, many, many people, they, 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 schooling is in a public or a, or a private school, and so, so at some point they're, they're away for a number of hours uh, a day. Um, for others, homeschooling, and so the kids are, are with you for, for all, all the time. But I'm telling you, if in the time, the seasons, whether it's until they're 18 or whether it's until they hit first grade or kindergarten, moms, your kids need you. They need you. And, and for some, and there's single moms, and there's some that, that just, it's just like there, there's, there's no other way, it seems, but, but to work and to get out there to provide for. And you know what? You, you provide for your family. You do whatever it takes. But I'm telling you, in the body of Christ and within the family of Christ, we need to look at one another and help one another and to say, what can we do to help moms to mother their kids? Dads, husbands, some of you, you're dropping the ball. You're not leading well enough to figure out things in your lifestyle to where mom can, mom can have the time to actually raise their kids. I mean, I mean, really, just think about it. Pull away for just a minute. What do you really think the ideal is? What do you think God's plan really is for parents to raise their children or for someone else to raise children? your children and for those of you who don't have children yet think about think about it does, does it really make sense that God would want you to let other people outside of your family to raise your kids just so that you can create an additional type of lifestyle and my, my encouragement to you would be that you that you pray and that you seek the Lord don't I mean don't take it from me I'm not the Holy Spirit but that you'd say, well, what, what would it take? How would, what would we need to do to change things to where, where mom can be there to, to nurture and, and to, mother, to mother our kids? Um, rather than receiving nurturing or maybe the lack thereof by, by someone else. Um, I just encourage you guys to pray, pray about that and think, think about that. I, I, I know for us, uh, when, when, we, when we first, our first kid uh, Blake when when he was born or when she was pregnant with Blake Danielle was in a career where she was the executive assistant to a, a vice president and she ran a whole department and I mean uh, the girl is sharp she is so sharp and a great leader and we we thought about it and we we're like oh wow you know what can we do here but the thing was is she made more money than me she made more money than me. She had a bigger title than me. You know, I, we're like, what do we do? What do we do? And, and by God's grace and His wisdom, he, he had us take some steps of faith and to, just to beat the bushes and to figure out a way to where she would no longer have to do that. And she ended up being able to do some work from home but was able to, to, to be there for, for Blake. And, and I'm just telling you that 
Whatever the sacrifice it is that you're like, well, we'll have to give this up. We'll have to give this up. We may have to sell our house and get a smaller house. I'm telling you, there's no sacrifice that's too big than to do that for the benefit of, of your children. And So think about that. And let those seeds just be planted in y'all that don't have kids now to just say, you know what, man, we'll do whatever it takes. Because, listen, I'm telling you, we're a missional church. We're about evangelizing our whole world. We're about making disciples. But you know, you know what the, the, first, the first place of discipleship is? In the home. Do not spend a lot of time discipling a bunch of other people when you're not discipling men, your own wife, or, or husbands and wives, moms, dads, where you're not discipling your own kids. That's, that's the first one. It's like if you, if you mess up there, you're disqualified from about everything else in leadership. So start there. You know, God gives you a good 18 years for some 20, 25 years, you know. And so use it. Use the time. She opens her hand to the poor, reaches out her hands to the needy. A biblical mom is, is merciful. And, and what's, what's beautiful about it is, you know what I love about moms is not only, they're, they're much better at organic discipleship than men in many ways because they don't just, men, we just have a tendency, we just go out and we just, we just hammer it. We just get something done. And a lot of times we go and we just do it alone. You know what moms do? They bring their kids with them. They, you know, where they're merciful, man, they, they bring kids into the middle of it. It's like, come on, kids, let's go and help the neighbor. You know, that's, you know let's, take this, let's take this meal to our elderly, our elderly neighbor who just broke her hip. And, I mean, let's, uh, let's, let's do these things together. They, they model it. They model mercy. They model discipleship. We can learn so much from moms. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for her, all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. There's some things about this that talk about the best of things. Uh, I don't think we have to go there. I think the, one of the biggest points in here, she's not afraid of snow for her household. You know why? She's strategic. She plans ahead. It's like, you know, well, the, the winter doesn't catch her off guard. You know, the kids are growing. You know, it's like, well, whether I have to make it or if I've got to do some jobs on the side to afford some, some new corduroys or if I've got to learn to, to hem things and then unhem them and rehem them, you know, to where, to where kids can be taken care of. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. And that's what, that's what biblical moms do. Her husband's known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. That has a lot to do with the husband, but kind of a counterpoint of Proverbs 31 has a lot to do with the man. I'm telling you what, this man who sits in the gates and respected has a lot to do with the wife and the mom. Because a mom who is a biblical and a godly wife is one that not only respects her husband and the dad to her children, but is one that that spreads respect her husband, rather than one that tears down her husband and picks and, and, and just, you know, just these little needles being stuck into him, to him or to others. Rather, she's one that's spreading the blessings. It's like, man, have you heard, what, have you heard about my husband? I can't believe what a great man he is. And, and let me tell you about what he did with our kids the other day. And, and, and let me tell you about how he served me the other day. And, and, and you, know, you know how that starts? You may just say, well, I don't have a husband like that. It's only 99% of the time he's selfish. I'm like, well, you know what? You need, to, you need to applaud that 1%. You need to be one that you're just like, you know what? Hey, let me tell you. And they don't have to know it's just 1%. 
But you tell others, I mean, I, I just love this about my husband. And I pray it just, God blesses him as a result of it. She makes linen garments, sells them, delivers sashes to the merchant, strength and dignity are clothing. She laughs at the time to come. You know, that tells me again, it's as a, this is a mom who's strategic, that plans ahead, but it's also a mom who's confident. And this is going to connect us in just a moment. Where does confidence lie? Does confidence lie in how good I'm doing and how well I am as a mom? How well I am, how good I do as a, as a wife? No. You better not have your confidence there. Because in your good days, you're going to feel great and you're going to be, you're going to be effective if you're basing it on that. But on his bad days or on the kids' bad days and on your bad days, everything goes to pot. It's a mess. Your confidence has to be somewhere else. And what I propose has to be in the gospel, has to be in grace. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness. It's on her tongue. This is a, this is a mom who's hungry for God. She has understanding. She has wisdom. She's in the Word. She's She's one who's being discipled and she's also discipling others. She's not cutting the chain there. But rather, having people pour into her, having older ladies, more mature ladies, pour into her, but she's also pouring into other ladies. Don't stop the cycle. Don't stop that uh, in in the life of, of ladies. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Um, this morning, or the, the kids all this week, man, they couldn't wait for Mother's Day and could, you know, making plans of what they were going to do to try to honor mom. And uh, this, I mean, it, it's just beautiful because really they rise up and call her blessed. Um, they all wrote her different notes and made, made all these neat gifts for her. And uh, she, just, she just feels so cherished. Um, I'm going to read you from just one. Uh, this is from JP, my number two. Um, he said, why I love my mother. She will risk a lot for us and she is so humble. She's crazy in a good way. She will share the Word of God to anyone she gets to know. She saved me from a bad bike accident when I was about three to four and hurt herself in the process. I won't ever stop loving her for what she does for us. She cares for us through thick and thin. She is crazy for the Word of God. Finally, he says, she will shake, shake, shake at any time, time, time. And yes, she will. Um, I, I, I love that. I mean, that's it's an example of, of one, of the kid, one of the kids rising up and calling her mom blessed. And she is. She's, she's blessed. She's been blessed by God. Um, verse 29, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Now, that's... that's should be the heart of every husband, dad, looking at their wife, looking at the mom and their kids. Just look and just say, you know what, man, I wouldn't trade you for anybody. I love you. I love warts and all. Everything about you. I'm so glad that you're in my life. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. And that comes back to the guy again of just saying you know what applaud your wife applaud the mom of your kids to where you you love her you respect her that you're promoting her and and so again i mean i, I hope that 
I hope that you're encouraged by that portion. But just in case you look at that and say, well, Dave, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit depressed because you know, I'm, I'm not all those things. I'm not all those things. Now, just don't be depressed. Be, because th- this is giving us examples of how, how, we're spo- how you're supposed to live as a mother to be a biblical mom. But He also meets us right where we are. Gospel-centered mothering is, is important to understand. Um, that's biblical mothering. That's, okay, this is what to aspire to. But you will never really become who God says for you to become until you understand the Gospel. And you understand your position in Christ as being fully justified for you Christians. If you're not a Christian yet, you need to jump on board today. You need to surrender to Jesus today. So that He'll call you, declare you righteous, declare you perfect, even though we're not. What is the Gospel? I mean, if it's Gospel-based, what is the Gospel? The Gospel is God saves sinners. God is the one who saves sinners. And the Gospel goes against a works-based worldview that says, I do good works and therefore I'm accepted by God. I'm accepted by others or even I accept myself. That's the common worldview. That's the human condition. What grace is, what the Gospel is though, the grace-based worldview is I'm accepted by God, therefore I can do good. I can do good works as a result. It's, it's God empowers me, brings me victory. Now if I stand in the victory and see how I've been made in Christ, I can now step forward in victory in being who God called me to be. Titus 3, starting in verse 4, says this, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's the Gospel. And so we've got to ask the question, how does the Gospel inform mothering? How is it that, that if I understand my position in Christ as a Christian, if I understand who God has made me to be, who He's declared me to be, how that empowers me to be a good mom? It, it starts out by understanding you have to know mothers who are Christians. You have to know, you have to say, I am justified. I'm declared righteous by God. He knows I'm not. I know I'm not. He's declared me as perfect as Jesus is. I now have an unbreakable relationship with God due to adoption. Did you hear that? That's the Gospel and applying it to your life. It's knowing that you have an unbreakable relationship with God due to His adoption. And so you've received grace. Listen to me. How we go from understanding the Gospel to what Gospel-centered mothering is you received grace therefore you can bend it out it means that you know that you don't have to be a perfect person for jesus to love you and accept you so you also don't have to be a perfect mother for god to accept you did you hear me ladies you don't have to be a perfect mom for jesus to love you and to accept you you know also a They, the kids, do not have to be perfect for you to be a good mother. 
we understand the gospel and we know God, you're not, you're not loving me or accepting me based on what I do, including my role of wife as mother, it means that then you can now be inconvenienced by their mistakes. This is huge. To know that it's okay. It's okay because their mistakes are not reflecting upon you and your worth to God or to the world. And so therefore, you don't have to be so uptight when they screw up. The reason why you're so uptight is because you're attaching your worth to how they perform. You're freed from that. Now, this, we're not saying you take a pass till they turn 18 and you just, you just eat bonbons every day and, and just let them do whatever they want. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. But it means that if you know your acceptance by God and your worth is not based upon those things, you will be actually be empowered to take them where they need to be. Guys, behavior modification is an important part of parenting. That means we, we teach them morals, we teach them values, we teach them right from wrong. We should do this, this is, and this is law. I mean, it's, we're, we're saying, you do this and you're going to get this. If you don't do this, you're, you're going to get this. We let them know these things. But know this, that behavior modification does not capture the heart of a kid. The more you say no, the more you say do this, do this, don't do this. And as important as that is, you must know that you will never capture their heart by rules. Unconditional love is the only thing that will really capture their heart. A love that says, God loves me in spite of what I do. I love you in spite of what you do. That's what it is. You're passing that grace. You're bending that same grace on. It doesn't mean you're not saying, I don't care what you do, but you're saying, my love will never change. My acceptance of you will never change based upon, it's based upon who God has made you to be and who God has called me to be. It means that according to God, according to the Gospel, He who loves us, though we were rebels and are still rebels against Him, I still rebel against Him. You do too. That's what sin is. God still loves us. It also means you can bend that same thing to Him and say, I can still love my child even when they're a rebel. It doesn't mean that you say it's okay for them to be a rebel, but it means you can still love them because God loves us. It means that we are able to discipline from a heart of love that protects them against destruction. It means we do discipline. We do bring we do bring consequences or allow consequences to take place because we do love them. But it's not, it's not out of anger. It's not out of a, a bitterness. It's not, a, it's not, it's not to just, just to prove your point. But I love you, and so I'm, I'm going to protect you against destruction. Gospel-centered mothering will empower you to not lose control. To not lose your temper. To remain in control because your worth is not based upon their rebellion or their obedience. Both of those things. Because you will judge yourself, moms. You're going to judge yourself. And when, they, when they're doing great, you may think too highly of yourself because you're basing it on them. 
And when they rebel, you will think too low of yourself because you're basing it upon them. You need to base all that you know and all that you are upon Jesus. It means that I can trust God's plan for extending grace to them, for planting seeds in them, and training a child in the way they should go. Proverbs 22.6 talks about that. That you can trust that because you can't change their heart. And so you say, God, I just trust you with it. I'm going to trust you with my kids. It means that you know that you can't change their heart, but you can model love for Jesus and trust God to change their heart. If children are your sense of worth, either because they're, you're trying to make them so good or because they're so bad, you will gauge your success on their level of perfection and achievement. And next, what you will do is you will pressure them to be perfect. Now, you would never say to your child, you've got to be perfect because you know they, they can't. But yet, you're functionally living as if they must be perfect. You're pressing them in further and further that they've got to be perfect because you're, it, from your estimation, I'm only okay if I'm doing okay. I'm only okay if I'm doing my role well enough as being a mom. And so you're going to bend that to them, which is works-based worldview, and you're going to say that means you're only okay if you're doing good. And that is like putting a ton of bricks on the shoulder of your children. They can't bear it. They will be crushed instantly. It will make, uh, make them feel that your love is conditional because it's based upon their performance. You know, if you don't make that grade, if you don't, get, if you don't do well in those sports, it's, not, it's just not, you know, I'm not going to accept you. I'm not going to love you. Guys, there's some examples from Genesis that we've already been through one and we're about to get to another uh, of, of uh, examples of, of these things. Rebecca coming up in Genesis 27. I mean, she deceived Isaac with, with Jacob to get the blessing instead of Esau. Now, we don't know exactly what was going on, but basically she tied her success into the success of her family and she didn't trust that into Esau's hands. She also then did not trust it to God. And so she deceived she deceived Isaac. Sarah, her life was, was marked by her barrenness. She was promised a child, but she didn't trust God to do what's best. And so she compromised. And Hagar then became the mother, the mother of Abraham's first child. You guys, when, when we look for anything else, for anything else to bring bring us our acceptance other than Jesus and grace and our, our placement in Him. We trap ourselves and we'll trap everybody else that we're around. Moms, man, preach the Gospel to yourself. Preach the Gospel to yourself. Know that you're not, that you don't have to be perfect and your kids don't have to be perfect. But that God has already declared you perfect. I, I want to close with, uh, with something that my friend Matt Redman um, from Branch Life Church in Birmingham, Alabama, that he wrote the other day as a blog. Um, he starts it with Romans 8.1. It says, Then there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he says this, Mothers, 
If you're in Christ Jesus, you ought to have no fear of condemnation because of your standing of righteousness, because of Christ's work on your behalf on the cross. Now listen, mothers, even though you may feel you are, you are, you are not condemned by messy homes. You're not condemned by your lack of desire to homeschool. You're not condemned by your personal sins. You're not condemned by the knowledge of how easy it is for you to love your one child more than the other. You're not condemned by your miscarriages. You're not condemned by your lack of desire to have more kids. You're not condemned by your inability to cook. You're not condemned by being divorced. You're not condemned by your desire to be alone, away from the kids every single day. You're not condemned by your body, which may not be what it once was. You're not condemned by your failures as a mother. You're not condemned by your rebellious children. You're not condemned by the frustration of having to scrape mac and cheese off the kitchen floor again. You're not condemned by all the fears and tears with, which flirt with insanity and take you to the point of despair. You're not condemned by not being able to throw the party of the century for your kids. You're not condemned for not feeding your kids meals that could only be made after a, an expensive trip to Whole Foods. You're not condemned by your need for a vacation. You're not condemned for not living up to the standards of your mother or your mother-in-law. You're not condemned by the stares of those who have no kids when your kids erupt into volcanic screams in public places. Mothers, though you may feel condemned, if you're in Christ, you are not condemned. Fight with this knowledge of what is real reality. He ends by saying you're not condemned because... If you're in Christ, your identity, your righteousness is Christ alone. Therefore, enjoy the love and affection and acceptance of being a daughter perfectly loved with an unwavering love that flows from your Father in heaven. Moms, you're not condemned. Moms, you may be, you can be a biblical mom as long as you understand being a gospel-centered mom, standing in grace, in God's perfection instead of yours or your kids.